0: My name is Mansi and I am obsessed with unearthing every little secret about parenting, babies, business and wellness that will help you navigate through all the questions you always wanted to ask but didn't know who to. Think of this as your play date with a fellow mom over wine or coffee who loves her kids but also needs her happy ass without them. So now grab your tea, sit cozy and stay tuned for another stellar episode of Keep It Real podcast by kidstoppress.com. Hello and welcome everyone Really excited uh, today because we have a very very special guest And I am Mansi Zaveri, the founder of KidstockPress.com, But more importantly a mom of two And a bona fide bookworm And I am very excited because it's my pleasure To welcome someone who's You know, um, just before the interview We had a child, just a little bit of a glimpse of him and her eyes went twinkling away. (laughs) So that's his introduction. We have with us Jeff Kenney, who's the author of The Diary of a Wimpy Kid. And of course, um, he's here in India, in Mumbai. And we're very excited to be shooting this at the Museum of Solution. You've spoken about your creative writing process. Break that down for us.
1: So I use this process called systematic inventive thinking, which I didn't create myself. It was created by an Israeli team and um the idea behind it is is like this i'll break it down for you is that let's say you have a pair of glasses the first thing you do is you you say okay what are the parts of the glasses i would say frames and and lenses that's it and then the first tool that you use is subtraction so you say if i took away the lenses what do i have well i have glasses without frames could anybody really use that and you'd say Well, there's one particular type of person that could use that, is an NBA sports star, like a basketball player in the US. They love fashion, um, and so they like to wear these glasses that make them look fashionable, but they don't really need them, so they take the lenses out. So that's somebody who could use them. And if you took away the frames, you could say, well, now I have lenses, how could I use those? Well, if you shrunk them down, you, you would have contact lenses. So this is how I develop all of my humor in the books, is that I take a thing, like an airplane, if I'm writing about a travel, and I list the components, wings, pilot, seat, everything. And then I start to subtract. And when I subtract, I start to see where the humor is. And so I write all of my jokes in the Diary of a Wimpy Kid books using systematic inventive thinking now, which is why I know I'll, I'll never run out of ideas, is because I can always use these tools to kind of jumpstart the creativity.
0: What do you consider as failure?
1: Getting a rejection letter from uh, a, a cartooning syndicate saying, we're not interested. I mean, it was, a, it was as much of a failure as you could get because I didn't get any uh, encouragement from them. Nobody said, hey, maybe if you change this, you know, it was just no thank you. And so that was, uh, it was hard, you know, that was three straight years of just getting rejection letters.
0: What do you tell yourself when you're getting rejected day in, day out?
1: Um, I I need to eventually I decided I needed to find another way and I needed to acknowledge that the world was changing so in my case uh, I was trying to become a newspaper cartoonist but in every major U.S. city uh, cities that had two or three newspapers went down to just one so the opportunities got a lot more limited and the cartooning pages got smaller so I said I need to forge a new path and go somewhere that uh, I haven't thought about going before
0: right but Debbie um, and I want you to say this out to all the children, right? Because sometimes when the chips are low, um, you know that this is not the end of the world. But mm-hmm. in that moment, you just feel, this is it. I'm finished. I'm a failure. Mm-hmm. What would you say to kids that time, teens, young adults, that life's not over? It's just, it's yeah. just momentary.
1: Well, there's this book called Outliers by yes. Malcolm Gladwell. Yes. And he talks about how to become an expert at something um, you need about ten years and i know the book is controversial for some reasons but but i really do believe that that you can become an expert at something if you are willing to work for it and i think a lot of people a lot of people can get really good at something uh... if they put in the time but there aren't many people who are willing to do that in that way um, so i think there is always a pathway for somebody who wants to get really good at something
0: Right. Um, You've said in your interviews that you've travelled to many countries, and this book is your passport to the world. Mm. Um, How do you incorporate your learnings from your travel experiences into your writing?
1: I feel like every time I go to a new country, I sort of level up as a person. I mean, I'm getting to go to, I I never would have come to India, or I wouldn't have likely come to India, or Turkey, or, you know, Brazil, or all these places I've been, if not for the books. So the books um, really help me to understand uh, the shared humanity that we have. My books are about childhood, and the things that happen to Greg happen to a lot of kids all over the world. So I'm really grateful for that because I've I've really gotten to um, I've gotten to broaden my horizons because of these books.
0: A room full of two thousand children who are the hardest ones to please, by the
1: way. <laughs> yeah.
0: um, when you see a room full of two thousand children, do you go back to the twenty-five-year-old Greg who face a lot of rejection and say, "Damn, I, I can fill a room today"?
1: Yeah, I never. Um I never take that for granted. And in fact, in the US, I just did a tour where every night we had 1,500 people, or 2,000, or 500. Whatever the number is, I never take it for granted, especially because my books came out in 2007, 16 years ago. And and now there's a new generation of kids who are reading them. So I never take that for granted.
0: How do you stay updated with the kids?
1: I don't even try, (laughs) really, honestly. Because if you do, if you're an adult trying to act like the kids, it's just going to be a problem. So I actually keep my books really old fashioned. Um, So the books could have been relevant 20 years ago, or they could be relevant in 20 years. I try to keep them very generic.
0: What's the secret sauce to keeping them relevant?
1: I, I don't know. Maybe they're, maybe they're irrelevant. You know, if I, if I was being honest about a kid's experience in middle school, Greg would have his um, face in his phone all the time. Yeah. And that would be a boring book.
0: Yeah. So in
1: a way, I have to be a little bit anachronistic and tell a different type of story.
0: I can guarantee, guys, that he is not taking his success for granted, because I cannot believe I'm sitting and interviewing here someone who fills um, spaces with an audience size of 2,000 plus each time that he's here, and he's still so humble and modest that he actually said, go along, ask me whatever you want, <laughs> sure. and, and it's, it's incredible. Um, but a lot of parents struggle to get their kids to read today. Yeah. What will you tell them, and what's the right, like sometimes they struggle with a genre of book. Sometimes it's about just getting them to sit and read. Yeah. Um, what would you tell them?
1: I think that the key is to, first of all, to model reading for your kids. Is if, if you read, then, then it will make them more likely to read. But I think the other thing is to really teach them to, to treasure books. Uh, take them to a bookstore. Um, if, you, if you have the means, if you have the money, to say to your kids, pick out a book that you want. Um, when a kid picks out a book for themselves, it gives them a feeling of agency. Um, it gives them a feeling of power. And it, it might not be a book that you would yeah. choose for them. It might be a book about Pokemon or sharks or something that you're not interested in. But, yeah. but, it might, but that might be the key to unlock a, a lifelong passion for reading.
0: Interesting. Um, you've also inspired so many children, even though they're not great artists, to pick up the pen and paper and draw characters um and that's the success of your book and and how does that feel to inspire so many children to just start cartooning and drawing
1: yeah i think if a kid looks at my book they say hey if that guy could do it (laughs) i know i can i i really honestly think that i'm much less talented than almost anybody who's ever picked up the pen to draw yeah um and luckily, the, t- the talent wasn't a necessary uh, component of, of success. But I think that my comics are sort of accessible. And so that, that helps inspire kids to, to pick up the pen and try it themselves.
0: Kids today, with the amount of screens, we see so many children have been constantly distracted mm. um, with gadgets, games. Um, what helped you focus, Jeff, and what made you say, this is what I need to do, this is what I'm going to do, and get the job done.
1: Yeah, I don't think I have any life lessons there because I still have attention deficit disorder. And if I'm writing on a device that has internet connectivity, I'll just keep bouncing to read the news and sports and entertainment, et cetera, et cetera. So I haven't cracked that myself. And I can't pretend to really uh, know the answer to that. I did try something this, this time around. I got this device that's not connected to the internet it's called the remarkable and mm-hmm. it just only allowed me to type and maybe that helped a little bit this time around
0: right um with various forms of entertainment competing for attention today why do you believe books and reading will continue to be relevant for our generations to come
1: i think that storytelling is what's relevant i think that storytelling in all forms in video games in books and magazines in uh tiktok videos good storytelling always wins the day and always changes the medium in, in which it's used. Yeah. So I don't know what the future of reading is. I really don't. Um, but I do see some encouraging things. Like, for example, my son, my older son, he, uh, you know, got swallowed by the tick hole in a way. He got pulled in. Uh, by the gravitational pull of it. But now, when he's interested in something, when he learns about an anime that he likes or something, he'll read a whole article about it or he'll go buy the, the original source material. Right. So I think that those things have a tendency to kind of uh, sort of tease your interest and then they in, it inspires you to, uh, to look a little bit deeper.
0: Interesting. Um, you own a bookstore in Massachusetts. Yes. Um, what does it take? to get a child to drop their screens and head out to a bookstore or a library?
1: I think it takes first their parents valuing the experience. So every kid that comes to my bookstore came there because their parent brought them. And I think that, you know, this beautiful space that we're in right here at the museum treats books with reverence. And I think that a lot of libraries across the world, um, you know, they don't have the funds to, treat books with reverence, and the way that they're lit, the way that they're displayed, yes. um, the newness of the books. So bookstores can do that. And then there are some libraries who know how to make their, their money go for, further. But I think what we're, what we're telling people in this space is that books are sacred, that books are yes. special, yes. and they deserve to be cherished. And when we when we um, use that as a message, it helps to kids to be really inspired to read.
0: Right. Um... What's the feedback your sons have given you about the books that you read?
1: My kids grew up um liking the books in the way that other kids like them, but yeah. they weren't like passionate diehard fans. Yeah.
0: Does that hurt?
1: Not really. For me I was just their dad. And yeah. in fact I live in a town called Plainville, Massachusetts, which, which sounds kind of funny. Yeah. And it really is. It's a weird name. It means like Boringville or Nothingville or and, and it really it's a small place to have raised the kids. We didn't wanna go Hollywood or even move to Boston or to a bigger city because we wanted the kids to have a really regular life, and they did. They, they grew up as normal as can be, and I think that's going to serve them well later on.
0: Right. Um, do they know and do they, can they comprehend that their dad is such an accomplished author and what it means to be on the Times list?
1: I don't know if they care that much, but what's funny is all throughout their elementary years and their high school years, people didn't care. They, maybe they cared a little, but not that much. And then when they got to college, each one of them got like a little bit famous on campus. People knew who they were. It was like, oh, there's the <laughs> you know, there's the kid who's, whose dad writes Wimpy Kid. And I think that was the first time that it kind of, um, the Hit scope them. of it dawned on them. Yeah. Right.
0: And you mentioned about your creative process where you go to a cemetery, you start writing, you start thinking, what do I want to share with the world today? Tell us a little bit more about that process. How do you, manage to write book after book, not fearing whether this is going to do well, not do well. Like, how does it not stop you creatively to worry about success or failure?
1: I think I always operate in a place of fear, actually. I'm always afraid that my books are going to stop being popular, you know, because I, I love this. The fact that I'm here with you, you know, maybe five years from now I won't get an invitation to uh-huh. Mumbai. Or, you know, so I, I, I want to sustain that. Yeah. I know part of it's out of my control. Like, you, you can't do something that's popular forever. Yeah. Um, but I do strive to, to write something. So you've done
0: that's, it for a really long time.
1: I, I have, right? right? But
0: You know, somebody asked Shah Rukh Khan, do you know who Shah Rukh Khan is? He's like this huge Bollywood star. Yes. They asked him the exact same question. Yeah. Yeah. And his answer was just the same. Really? He said, I wake up every single day to work hard to ensure that this success does not go away because I won I worked very hard for this. Sure. And and just like you said that, you know, it's it's in the now and I don't know how long it's gonna last, but I wanna work hard for it to sustain it today. So yeah. that's that's brilliantly said.
1: Yeah, I think in a way it, it's it's sort of like a professional athlete is that they have they have a lifespan yeah. in a way. No matter how hard uh, Lionel Messi yeah. works, one day his career will be over. And that's out of his control. Yeah. You know, That's because of his body. That's because of the competition, his age, et cetera. In, in my case, as a children's author, I have a little bit more control, but still people's appetites might change. Kids might stop reading these types of books. So I don't have that much control. And I don't know how to how to survive after this? You know, yeah. when when you, I don't know what that next phase of my life is going to be. Yeah. So I'm a little bit fearful of that.
0: The decision to make Diary of a Wimpy Kid into a movie. Did you fear that it will lose its a sense? Because many book to movie adaptations haven't been, you know, haven't translated in the best forms.
1: Yeah, I did. I was really nervous about that. And in fact, you know, that's always a challenge of the adaptation. Because when a kid reads a book, they fill in the blanks with their imagination when you commit it to celluloid or to digital print, it it sort of solidifies it, it cements the the vision, it takes the imagination away. And so I think that there are probably lots of kids who watch the movies that are like, ah, that that didn't come out the way that I thought it would. But when cinema is at its best, I think it's very additive. Um, And so for example, I just released Cabin Fever, which is a a Christmas story. And I think that story was really additive. I think it um, brought a lot of heart to the story that wasn't in the original. And that's what a movie is supposed to do, is to tell an emotional story.
0: Right. Also, how do you detach yourself as a writer from every book that you've written to go on to the next one?
1: Oh, that, that, I just, I'm very forgetful. Like, if you ask me what happened two books ago, I have no idea. I can't remember. That's how detached <laughs> he is. That's how detached. I don't know if it's my age or if, I'm just moving too fast forward but it's I can't really remember what I've written and I just keep going forward. In fact Bob Dylan had a, a movie that he had a documentary called Never Look Back. And I don't really know what his message was with that statement, but that's that's the best way to move forward as an artist is to not keep going back and litigating your old old work.
0: Okay. That's that's a lot of that's that's great learning for a amateur author. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us about no brainer and what can the Diary for Wimpy Kid fans expect from this one?
1: For no-brainer, I really wanted to go back to school. It's been a while since I've had Greg in a school setting, and I really wanted to have the school as the main character. And in the educational world, we have lots of challenges. We have budget cuts, and we have underperformance on tests, and too much pressure on students, and teachers who are jaded. You know, these are things I'm sure you have here in India. Yes. We have it in the yes. US. And so I'm really trying to Satirize that. It's my first book that's a real satire, which is a little bit different in, in tone than my other books, but it's fun to do it.
0: Okay. Um, we asked a few kids to okay. ask you questions. Great. Let's see what they've come up with. All right. My mom says comic books don't help in improving your vocabulary and I should read more serious books. Yeah. Wash right at my mom.
1: I think all types of reading is good, you know. And I think that when you hand a kid a book that's too elevated it, it will make the kids say, ah, I, you know, yeah. the, I, reading isn't for me. Yeah. I think it's important that kids read at their level. And sometimes it's good to read a book that's kind of casual, as a no-brainer, like where you know, it's just for entertainment. And then sometimes it's important to challenge yourself. So you're both right.
0: OK. Um, what's next for Diary of a Wimpy Kid, Jeff, and Greg?
1: I have no idea. Um, as soon as I get back home, I'm going to start thinking about that. But I think a summer story, I'm ready for another summer story. I'd like to have Greg visit a city with his family. I think that that would be really interesting. Um, so I, I, I'm thinking of all sorts of different things.
0: Are you constantly thinking of what next, what next? Do you, do you feel like you're on a hamster wheel and you need to perform each yes. time? Yes.
1: And what's funny is with my attention deficit disorder, I'm literally, thinking about it right now, (laughs) trying to think which way should I go with this.
0: Okay. Um, your most favorite book when creating from the series is
1: Oh, I thought you were gonna tell me. No, Uh, I'm gonna ask you (laughs) You have to put a question mark at the end of it so I understand it's a question. No, I'm kidding. It's um, my favorite one in the series right now is is no brainer. I, Mm -hmm. I think it honestly is one of the better books. And then I'll always like the first one because it was the first one.
0: Right. Um, I love snacking when my, when going, um, my homework or studying for exams. What's your favorite writing snack? These are uh, all questions from the kids. Okay,
1: great, great. I forgot that there are questions from the kids. Um, I, I like double stuff Oreos. Do you have those?
0: Guys, this interview's forbidden. He's saying all the wrong things. <laughs> right. Double stuffed Oreos. The moms are going to hate it. Jen. Oh, uh,
1: no. I love bananas and grapes. <laughs> those really <laughs> well keep me sad. going. He flipped like in <laughs> right. no time. Yeah, right. Okay,
0: on a serious note, what do you, eat, what do you snack on when you write?
1: Yeah, really, double stuff Oreos, Skittles, um, the bad stuff, salty snacks, you know, sugar, salt, fat. I'll go for that.
0: Okay. Your embarrassing middle school incident.
1: My m- embarrassing middle school incident? When I was a kid, just like Greg, when I was on the swim team, um, the first thing, I didn't want to jump in the cold pool with everybody else. So I would tell my um, my swim coach I needed to use the restroom. <laughs> so I'd go in there and I'd hide for the whole practice. I'd sit on the toilet and I'd be shivering. And then I'd wait till practice was just about over. And then I'd jump in the pool at the very end. And that was... That's both my most embarrassing thing and how Greg Heffley was born.
0: Okay. Um, Who's your favorite character from the series?
1: I like Rowley because he likes being a kid and he's a pure kid. And I think a lot of kids um, should stay kids longer. I agree. Yeah.
0: If you were not a cartoonist and an author, what would you have been?
1: Computer programmer, but there's a dash in between. So one word. OK. okay.
0: An alternate title for Diary of a Wimpy Kid would be?
1: All these have to be one word?
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, you can go on one word. Uh,
1: one. It would just be Greg's, Greg Hepley's journal, grade 7. That's what it would be, because that was the original.
0: OK. What was the first title you came up before writing Diary of a Wimpy Kid?
1: It really was Diary of a Wimpy Kid from the beginning.
0: Really? Yes. OK. Um, five books every child must read.
1: Ooh, Five books. See, I never could have done this in one word. Um, five books every child must read. The Giving Tree by Shel Silverstein. The Very Hungry Caterpillar as a young reader. Um, I'm going to go with, I liked a book called Tales of a Fourth Grade Nothing, which was by Judy Bloom, um, an American writer. I like The Hobbit. And then I'm going to go with um, uh, G- G- uh, Chronicles of Narnia, the first one. Line the Witch's Wardrobe.
0: Um, your favorite author back when you were a child, and of course, one now?
1: Judy Bloom, um, in one now. I like all nonfiction. I only read political memoirs now.
0: Okay. Um, one thing you want to change, improve about children's literary scenario today?
1: Um, make it more visual, I think. Yeah. I think that we, we ask kids to go from these big, colorful picture books to gray text and chapter books, and we need something in between.
0: A hundred percent. Five things that make Greg a lovable character.
1: Five things. I would say he's uh, he's honest. He's very flawed. Um, he's uh, active. I think that he's relatable, and he's got three hairs.
0: Okay. Um, your favorite book to movie adaptation other than Diary of a Wimpy Oh
1: boy, uh, The Revenant, which is a, a grown-up movie, but it was a good it was a good one.
0: Okay. E-book or audio book, which one do you prefer?
1: Audio book for sure.
0: Okay. How much time do you spend on social media every day?
1: Ooh, probably about an hour and a half each day. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Maybe more. I thought,
0: I thought it'd probably yeah. be zero.
1: Yeah. I, I wish it was zero. Oh. Yeah. I wish it was.
0: Okay. One way in which you're, which you're similar to Greg and one way in which you're different.
1: I'm similar in almost all ways. Um, a, a way that I'm different. Uh, I think my, my horizons are broader than Greg's. He's, he's, he's very myopic.
0: Okay. The best feedback and most cherished feedback you've ever received.
1: I, the the best feedback I ever got was from a kid who was autistic and read my books and, and felt like he could understand Greg because the pictures gave him that constant feedback to tell him how Greg was feeling. That was really important for that kid. And I'm sure there's other kids like him.
0: I'm sure. one moment um, where you felt like, this is it, I've arrived.
1: Mm -hmm. I got on the New York Times bestseller list uh, about two weeks after my book came out. And that was this big moment for me. And that's uh, my wife and I were jumping up and down on on my kid's bed, and that was really cool. And I, I wish you that, have a
0: video of that. That will <laughs> yeah. be, be amazing. Yeah,
1: it would be. Five
0: books with great illustrations that you would recommend.
1: Oh, boy, you gave me time, too. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with Sean Tan's The Arrival. I'll go with uh, Shaul Silverstein, A Light in the Attic. Uh, First Time for Everything by Dan Santat. Um, I'm going to go with Max in the Midnights, a cartoon book by Lincoln Peirce. And I'll go with Where the Wild Things Are by Maurice Sendak.
0: Yes. Five titles from the Diary for Wimpy Kit that are your top favorites.
1: My top favorites? I really like the first book. I like The Long Haul. I like Cabin Fever. I like um, Diaper Overload, which is a rude title I know. And then I like No-Brainer.
0: Okay. Um, Three tips for parents who want to raise readers.
1: Take them to the uh, bookstore take them to the library and then make both a habit
0: three books that teenagers must
1: read <laughs> the teenagers must read uh there's a famous book in the u.s called catcher in the rye which i really liked it's become very controversial okay. um let's see another book that that teenagers should read <laughs> I'm,
0: really, getting, that's I'm drawing the, blanks <laughs> that's when the reading just yes slumps. that's
1: that's right that's when because I'm, going to, I'm thinking about, like, what teachers yes. make you yes. read. Yes. But some of those books, like Catcher in the Rye, are, are very um, formative books. So um, I have to come back to that one Okay.
0: Too. Three common mistakes that parents make while raising readers.
1: I think that sometimes as parents that we hand books uh, to our kids that we enjoyed as kids. Yeah. And sometimes they're, you know, they don't line up or they don't match the times, and kids are like, ah i don't really like this i don't like what you like so that's the first mistake i'd say another is not modeling reading and another is not carving out reading time like in the day like for example after dinner that reading is a priority
0: right interesting i can't believe we've spent an incredible amount of time finishing this interview you've been amazing thank you um jeff thank you so much for spending time with us this afternoon well thank you it's an incredible chat We've got lots and lots of nuggets for the kids and for the parents. Great. So thank you, and I've got a lot of tips from an, from an accomplished New York Times best-selling <laughs> author uh, who's jumping on his kid's bed to an amateur author. That's right. So thank you. Thank, thank you so much. Thank you for your so thoughtful
1: questions. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks.